0: Uh, We are going to uh, move on uh, to Mark chapter 1. I entitled this uh, sermon, Mark's, as in the Gospel of Mark, Mark's Weird Birth Story. I love the traditional birth stories. I love the traditional birth stories. Matthew and Luke uh, tell uh, beautiful stories of Jesus' birth. And there's something very special about the picture of Jesus who's wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And here on our table, our communion table this morning, you can see the scene, right? The angel, the shepherds, even the magi are here. And, and I know that's not exactly what the birth scene looked like, but they all surround the early years of Jesus of Nazareth. Now last week we unpacked John chapter 1, the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's an untraditional approach at the birth of Jesus, but it still really fits in with the truth of Christmas. Now Mark's gospel doesn't show us a baby Jesus. Mark's gospel doesn't have a theological approach to the baby Jesus, like John does when the Word became flesh. But what Mark's gospel does is it prepares us for Jesus entering this world. So let's read these first eight verses of the gospel of Mark. Mark says the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem came out to him. They confessed their sins. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. And John the Baptist, he wore clothing that was made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt, around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey and this was his message after me will come one more powerful than I the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and tie I baptize you with water and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit let's pray Father, with all these distractions, help us to focus in. Help us to focus in on your word to us this morning. I pray that you'll just guide and lead our hearts, that you'll open our minds and our eyes to the truth of the gospel. It started in the sun, That you sent to this earth. Father we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. I'm not silly. I acknowledge that this passage is a far cry. From the birth story of Jesus Christ. But will you follow with me this morning? In Matthew Mark, and Luke, and John. They all do the same cool integration. Now, Matthew, Luke, and John do the integration between Jesus' birth and John the Baptist's birth. Luke and John's gospel are the most unique because Luke tells the visiting of an angel to John the Baptist's father. Luke's gospel also talks about an angel visiting Mary, Jesus' mother. Luke's gospel also records the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. John's gospel breaks up the story that we read last week that the Word became flesh with these words There was a man sent from God by the name of John. And according to all four of the Gospels, John the Baptist plays a vital role in the birth and mission and Gospel of Jesus Christ. But how so? Well, in Mark's Gospel, we need to start by reading, rereading that quote of Isaiah the prophet. It is written, that I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. He's a voice of the one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You see, John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus Christ. I read an article this week that suggested the real Christmas icon should be John the Baptist, not Santa Claus. Instead of a a bright red suit, John wore camel's hair. Instead of cookies and milk, John ate locusts and honey. Instead of a naughty and nice list, John called those claiming to be righteous to repentance. And instead of warming up to the fire in our pajamas... John, he baptized in a pretty dirty Jordan River. Instead of asking for gifts, John introduces us to the greatest gift. This sure is an odd way to prepare the people of Israel for the birth of Jesus and the birth of a gospel. In Matthew chapter 11, we can read Jesus' words. To what can I compare this generation, Jesus says? They're like children who are sitting in the marketplaces and they're calling out to others, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. And then he connects his ministry with John. For John came neither eating or drinking. And y'all said he was a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Y'all said he was a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our actions. Even Jesus acknowledges that the life of John the Baptist aligns with the preparation for Jesus Christ. And therefore, we must look very closely at the words of John the Baptist to see how he prepared Israel and thus prepares us today. We are told that John preached repentance and baptism. So let's dig a little bit deeper to see what repentance and baptism have to do with this nativity scene, with this birth of Jesus Christ. Repentance is a core teaching in the Bible, and especially in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke connect John the Baptist with Jesus in this way. Listen. In Matthew 3, John preaches repentance. and Matthew 4, Jesus' first sermon was to repent for the kingdom of God is near. In Mark's gospel, John preaches repentance. Seven verses later, seven verses later, in verse 14, Jesus is preaching repentance. In Luke's gospel, we see the same teaching we see here in Mark. And then, Luke 13 and 24, Jesus is out preaching repentance about repentance. The first sermon ever recorded by the disciples in Acts chapter 2 was Peter teaching the crowd about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The crowd was cut to the heart and they cried out, what must we do? And Peter responds in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Peter's given the same sermon that John the Baptist started preaching, that Jesus started preaching, and now he's starting out his first sermon recorded ever. Repent and be baptized. And we see an interweaving of the stories of Jesus and John the Baptist and their message. The early church recognizes this. They take note of this, and Peter preaches repentance the problem is that they got it, and we don't. They get it, we don't. Because we don't understand repentance. For many of uh, Americans today, when they hear the word repent, what they're really hearing is feel bad, feel shame, feel guilt. And that's not repentance at all. Repentance isn't a feeling of guilt. Repentance isn't a feeling of shame. Repentance starts first with being cut to the heart and confessing. Repentance starts first with confession. Jessica and I were re-watching one of our favorite shows, The Office. Any Office fans in here? Uh, We got a few. We got a few. Okay. One of my favorite episodes that we we watched was towards the first uh, couple seasons. And uh, Michael Scott, who's this this office boss, right? He takes his whole team, his whole staff, on a cruise. And the captain of the ship begins the cruise by giving everyone, not just the office staff, but everybody that's on the cruise, a, a little saving instructions, as you would in and many boat endeavors, right? There's the exits, here's the life jackets, that kind of thing. Michael Scott, the boss of the office, not the captain of the ship, takes the microphone from the captain in the middle of his speech and tries to give some instructions. In this funny scenario, the boss forgets he's not the captain of the ship, and the remainder of the episode is just this tension between the real captain and a boss who refuses, he's not. You want to know what repentance is? It's acknowledging that you're not the captain. And that's a real problem for Americans today. It was W.E. Henley, a poet who penned these popular words in his poem, Invictus. It matters not straight the gate, how charged the punishments, the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You know, ever since the Garden of Eden, when the serpents tempted Adam and Eve, And he said those words, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman looked at that fruit and she saw that that fruit was good for eating and good for gaining knowledge and wisdom. And she took it. Because that woman, and that man, Adam and Eve, they believed that they were captain of the ship. Unfortunately, it wasn't a funny scenario on a sitcom. It's life. It's life here in the United States, I'll tell you that. We all want to be captain of the ship. We all want to be the master of our fate. But we are not. And repentance begins with a knowledge and understanding and a confession with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and I am not. Repentance is enough feeling of guilt and shame. It's a confession. It's an acknowledgement. It's a mental state to humble yourself to know that you are not the captain of your soul. What would have happened if the contemporaries of Jesus Christ had listened and heeded the call of John the Baptist To repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Well, the religious leaders, when they heard that message, they looked at Jesus and said, no, Jesus, we make the rules for the Sabbath. They looked at Jesus and said, no, 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 we make the rules about hand-washing and purity. The Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, we're the ones who, who are right with God and decide who's right with God. It was the people of that day who looked at Jesus and they heard these words of John the Baptist, but they still looked at Jesus and said, we can't trust the son of a carpenter. They said, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. They said, wait a minute, isn't that Mary's sons? I mean, look, that's his brother. His brothers, they're right here with us. And even the disciples heard the words of John the Baptist. And they said, "Um, Jesus, which one of us is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us is going to be the captain of this kingdom? It was Peter who looked at Jesus and said, Stop talking about dying, Jesus. Start talking about something else. It was all the disciples in the boat when the waves were beating against the boat and the rain was falling and Jesus was taking a nap and they looked at him and said, Aren't you going to keep us safe? I don't trust you. John the Baptist said after me, comes one more powerful than I. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. You understand that feet were unclean, they were dirty, they were gross. It was the role of the servant to wash the disciples, to wash the people's feet. And John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to be called a servant to Jesus. I think John the Baptist is the only one that got it. The Magi were looking for a metaphorical king. The shepherds even, they were just, they praised God and worshipped Jesus, but I don't think they got it either. But John the Baptist knew that in order to approach the birth of Jesus, the birth of a gospel, we've got to humble ourselves and admit that we are not the captains. So this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to prepare your hearts through repentance. Yeah, it's the first Christmas message I've ever given where I've encouraged people to repent in 20 years of ministry. I've had to do a lot of repenting this week to acknowledge that we've been approaching this the wrong way, guys. The birth of Jesus is beautiful. The angels, the announcements, joys to the world it should cut us to the heart. It should cut us to the heart, to repentance. Let him be the Lord and King. Let this baby be the transformational power through his resurrection, through the Holy Spirit that he kindly gives to us. To guide us in this new kingdom that we live in. So maybe the gospel of Mark isn't so weird after all. Maybe Mark understood the message of John the Baptist. that The birth of Jesus is closely tied to the gospel. It calls us. The birth of a tiny baby wrapped in swaddling clothes calls us to repent. For the kingdom of God is here. The song that we're going to sing for invitation and to prepare our hearts for communion is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I like this song. And the words of the song should remind us that Israel was waiting for a king. But as we sing the song, remember that a king arrived in Israel and they put him on a cross. A king arrived in Israel as they sang the words of this chorus, Come thou long-expected Jesus. And they put him on a cross. Let this be a time that we repent and acknowledge that he is king. Father, this morning, I pray that you will cut each one of us to the heart and that we can acknowledge and confess this morning that you are Lord of all, that Jesus is king. We're so thankful that Jesus is a good, gracious, just king, and that you've called us into a right relationship with you through the sacrificial power and healing of your son, Jesus Christ. So this week, as we live out our lives, help us to live out our lives in your kingdom in such a way that acknowledges who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.